By now, if you don't know, my name is Todd Domke. It's been mentioned a couple of times this morning. Um, I am one of the elders here at Crossing. It is my privilege to talk to you this morning. Uh, And the topic I want to talk about is growing. What I'm going to bring up on, I want to talk off, is just a few weeks ago, Scott Brubaker presented a series on eternal security. And in that, he answered, he really answered the question, hey, how can I know that I have eternal life and that it's not going to be revoked, that I won't lose it? Because there's a lot of you know, stuff out there, and it says, you know, well, you, if you don't do this, you don't do this, and the whole thing. And he spoke about the difference between salvation and sanctification. I thought Scott did a great job. And he, sp- he spoke about recognizing our difference, the differences between our position in Christ and our experience in life. And so I want to build a bit on that. <clears throat> Excuse me, may I see the next slide? Great. So this was a diagram that Scott showed, okay? And I want to, you know, what I want to talk about is that process. So we come to the cross, we, we've, you know, we've accepted Jesus Christ, our faith is in Christ, we are accepting that for our, you know, the payment for our, the penalty of our sins, and then we have life on the other side. So next slide, just click on that. So that's what I want to talk about is that area. Okay, this is the process by which we grow in our Christian life. This is kind of where the rubber meets the road on the other side of stuff, you know, where we deepen our relationship with God and become transformed more into the image of Christ, where we're made holy, the process by which we're made holy. Now, the next one. So I'm not a Greek expert, and, but I did some digging and looking up, and uh, I will attempt to pronounce this word, hagiazo. For those of you who've taken Greek, Jared, was that close? Steve? I, yeah, okay, right. So we'll say yes. Anyhow. Essentially, that word translates into set apart. Uh, it, it gets translated to separate or set apart, right? In the case of sanctify, it therefore means to set apart for a purpose. You're going to set something apart for a purpose. You have a reason for putting it aside, okay? In the generic meaning, sanctification means the state of proper functioning, which means that to sanctify something is to set apart that thing for the use that was intended for by its designer. So you could say, hey, a pen is sanctified when I write with it, because that's what it was designed to do. Sneakers are sanctified when I run with them, because that's what they're designed to do, or play basketball or volleyball or some sport. People are sanctified, right, when we're living according to God's design and word. Since since the very beginning of time, God had set man apart from all of creation with the intent that we were to be holy and walk with him, that we were to have this relationship with him. And then after the fall, after Adam and Eve sinned and they disobeyed God and fell, and then we were cut off from God's presence, right? that mission of God's to set us apart and create us holy didn't change. We just kind of stepped away from it for a bit. And then for all the next thousands of years, God's been working and putting his, keeping his plan and saying, no, no, I have this plan, and I'm going to work it out. And I'm going to continue to work it out. And it culminates into 2,000 years ago with the death of Jesus Christ so that we can be brought back to God, so that we can be justified... <clears throat> through the blood of Christ, through his death and his payment. So his blood washes away our sins and frees us from that condemnation 
so that once again, God can, I want to set you apart and make you holy and put my spirit and my presence in you. So it's important to differentiate between salvation and and sanctification. As I said, we're justified by Christ's death on the cross. His blood washes away our sins. We're free then for those of us who accept that that judgment, that um, payment that Christ made for those of us who put our faith and believe in Jesus Christ, you know, his, his death, his resurrection, right? Then for those who believe, we are free from condemnation. And we're saved because of what Christ has already done. We, there's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. And we've, we, you know, at crossing here, it, you know, clearly it is a free gift to everyone who believes, regardless of who we are, regardless of where we came from, regardless of the terrible things we've done, whatever our social status is, it is a free gift of God to all men and women. To those who believe, it is by grace and grace alone that we are saved. And to those who believe, we take that gift. And we begin a new life, we won't go back a slide, a new life in this whole process of becoming holy and sanctified. So sanctification actually occurs as a result of salvation. Okay? So at the moment of the conversion, the, Holy, the moment of that conversion to salvation, the Holy Spirit enters our life, we are reborn. We become children of God. Have the next one. Right? Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. We are no longer held hostage by death, but free to live the life God desires for us. The very moment we are saved in Christ... We are immediately sanctified and begin the process of being conformed to the image of Christ. So as children, as God's children, we're set apart from that moment to be holy, to live a life that is vastly different from than what it was. But I don't always feel that way, do you? And have the next slide. And so having been born, we get this new life. We get a do-over. I would love a do-over. Sometimes, and I know you might find this hard to believe, sometimes I annoy my wife, and I know you're, like, shocked. I'm sure she's shocked. And then I kind of put on his face, and I'm like, just, just give me one more chance. I don't get enough chances. I just need one more chance to make it right. And being loving and filled with God's grace, she gives me another chance. I've lost count of the number of chances she's given me. Um, but she gives me another one and another one and another one. She rolls her eyes, but she gives me another one. But, you know, so think about growth. Let's, let's think about a newborn baby. Some of you know, you've seen my grandchildren. I have a total of six. Ian's being the, Ian Domke being the youngest. He's uh, 13 months, 13 and a half, going on 14 months. He's downstairs along with Miles, who's our oldest, Benjamin, and then Elsa. And then we have two down in Maryland, Asher and Addison. But think about, you know, so newborns, they come into this world and they grow physically, right? Then they develop skill sets and talents. They roll from their back onto their stomach. They start to crawl, then they start to stand up, they wobble, they walk. They gain mobility and they gain a sense of freedom from gravity. Hey, look what I can do, I can get around now. Where's the cookie jar? What's in this cabinet? 
I can has this? Like, no, no, put that down. Get away from that. How about over here? No, no, no. And they begin to explore the world around them. Their minds develop. Their thinking transforms. Their horizon expands. They develop the capability not only to look within themselves, but to kind of look outwardly at the world and go, I like that. And others around them. They learn to interact with others in a variety of ways. Give me that. And eventually, here, would you like this? So babies become children, children become adults, capable of vast amounts of, uh, of accumulating and taking in vast amounts of information, sorting all through it, thinking logically, forming ideas and being creative, making sound conclusions, making decisions, taking action, serving others around them, loving others, choosing to put others first, and choosing to make sacrifices out of their love for others. And that whole growth period looks kind of like a line like this, right? It just happens. One smooth, transitional growth line, no detours, no hiccups in the plan, no delays, no struggles, no setbacks, right? That line kind of reflects how many people's life? This is the next line, is this is my life. And I'm willing to bet that's probably most of your lives too. We have setbacks. We, we take a step forward and then we kind of Take two steps back. Right? We, uh, maybe a leap back. We start going up. And then we kind of get turned around. Right? I have a t-shirt at home that reads, I'm so far behind, I'm so far behind, I thought I was first. And sometimes we actually rocket ahead in the right direction. So what's this got to do with sanctification? Because that's just the way we grow with Jesus Christ. We have our position, and then we have our, the progression. We have a position that wherever I'm on this line, I know my position because my faith is in Jesus Christ. My position is I'm fully sanctified. I am holy. You look at me, and you're looking at a holy guy. Not really. God looks at me, and he sees that. Now, some shirts I wear, you might look at me and see a holy guy, but that has to do with the clothing I'm wearing at the time. But it's not. It's not. So, but my progression, it's more like this, isn't it? We kind of step forward and back and forth and stuff. And so just like any of the children we've watched grow up, they kind of stumble. So remember that toddler? That he goes forward. He conquered crawling. He mastered walking. And, but he never obliterated gravity. And sometimes gravity reminds him of that. Well, that's kind of like, you know. And so it's still there. It's always waiting to pull him down. It's always waiting to pull him in. And in a similar way, you know, our sin nature tugs at us as we walk with God. So we want to do the right thing. We have this nature. We want to do the right thing. We've been set apart. But somehow we continue to work in ways that are contrary to God's purposes. Because the effects of living in a fallen world have harmed everybody differently. We face different issues. 
We struggle with sin. You have a different background from me. I have baggage I still deal with and I still bring from my background. You have baggage that you bring from your backgrounds and things going on from growing up. You struggle with sin and past hurts of varying degrees that hinder our ability to live the life of holiness that God has desired for us. Right? So it's like that gravity. That, to- that gravity is always there tugging at that toddler to, knock him, to, to pull him down. And we have this, this same thing, our sin nature. And there's always this inner battle being waged within us, a battle between our old sin-led nature and the new sin-led nature. Do you have the next one, Bob? And so, oh, it's blank. Okay. How about the one next? Oh, it is blank. Okay. Good. It says click in my notes, and I was like, click. We've clicked. Okay, awesome. Paul knew this. Paul writes in Galatians 5 and 17, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Paul's desire was, there, there's this battle, and he recognized it. There's battle. I, this is what I want to do. This is what God called me to do, but I keep getting dragged into other things here like that. Right? And it's true for all of us. So, so what are we to do? What has God done? You see the little one struggling on the floor, trying to do something, trying to stack their blocks, playing with them, throwing them about. You know, and it falls, it falls apart, and they get frustrated. So what do you do? You laugh at them, right? <laughs> I could do that. Yeah, nothing. He's stacking the wooden blocks, and you go over and you go. That's not what you do. His brother does that. His sister does that. But that's not what the more mature adult would do. That's not what, hopefully that's not what mom and dad do. They go, well, let me help you with that. Let's help put that together, right? So what does God do? Well, he's provided for our well-being. Just as a good and loving parent provides a child with food and emotional support and encouragement and other items necessary to grow, so too God has provided for us. So he's given us his word. As I said, he didn't, first, when we accept Jesus Christ, we're filled with his Holy Spirit. He gives us his spirit, a wonderful counselor, to start that whole transformation, that progressive process going. And he gave us his word. It's interesting, I always find it when Jesus is tempted, the first thing he gets tempted, the first thing he answers is, you know, what's the first temptation? Well, you know, Jesus is out there. He's in the, in the wilderness for 40 days. Guy's getting hungry. Some of us would be hungry for four hours in the wilderness. I might be one of those. And Satan says, turn these bread, stones to bread and eat. And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's the word of God. God's word has, is the truth. It has the power to transform our minds and convict us and, and to bring to light the darkness that is within our hearts. And I know many of you know this, and many of you are actively involved in, in, study, in, in studying God's Word. And some of us are just starting to study God's Word. Some of us are just starting to open it. You know? we're, if we put that other, and we won't go back, but if we put that other, actually, could we? Bob, can you put the, the diagram up? And the one before this about the yellow stuff. 
So if I challenge you, said, looking at that diagram, where are you in the Christian life? Where would you put yourself? And I want to ask anybody to point. But where are you just starting out? Are you near? Do you think you're near the end of your life? Or you continue to, to move up there like that. So just mentally kind of think about where you're at. And then ask yourself, how are you doing? I hope you can say you're in God's word. And then God gives us his spirit to talk about, you know, to help us understand his word. To help us yield to God's power and not to that gravity that tugs. And then God gives us the ability to come to him and talk to him in prayer. So when we're facing temptation and our mind and body are weak, Satan knows exactly what to do and take advantage of us. And our sin nature is there. But I find that when I pray, we become in that spiritual union with God and begin talking to him like, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I don't know how this is going to work out. I haven't got a clue. Or I need to do this. Or I'm just... I've got to talk with this person, and I want to be respectful. I want to respect their feelings, but I've got to also tell them what they're thinking is wrong. And I know when I tell them from my Christian's perspective what they're thinking is wrong, and they're not coming from the same perspective, it's going to be a real awkward conversation and difficult. But I know they need to hear the truth. So, Lord, help me to do it in a gentle, loving manner. Help me to do it like you would have done it. Like when you sat by the well and the woman came over, and you knew her whole life, and you knew about the, the number of husbands and guys she'd been sleeping on the whole thing. But you didn't, like, call her to task for that. You talked about living water that she needed. So Prayer. We're facing temptations or things like that. Fellowship. You know, encouraging one another. Another thing God has left us with. And this is an important one. As I said, it's like we're on different lines. So you older guys, and I don't mean age-wise, because then I throw myself right in there too. Those of us who are more mature, who've been walking with God for several years, older guys, Look around you. Look at the younger guys who are just starting out. So who are you mentoring? Who are you reaching out to? Who are you spending time with? To say, let me help you. Let me encourage you. Older women, likewise. You got young gals. We have a woman. I'm going to call her out. Ruth Hartley. Is, is I, Ruth, I was sitting behind you during communion, and it was just, I'm just so thankful that you're here today and love to see you here. So you younger gals, that's a gal you want to get together and just talk about life because she's had such a rich life with the Lord and walk with the Lord. So that's a woman you want to get with. Some of you newlyweds, you know, your couples, you're, you're just newly, you're kind of sorting it out. Well, you want to get with a more mature couple and talk to them. 
you want to talk to them about, you know, my husband just, oh. if I hit him in the back of the head with a shovel, would that be wrong? Yeah. If I just put a pillow over his face, would, yeah, that's not, no. Really, officer, I think he was just trying to stop the snoring. Younger couples, you want to get together with older couples. Spend some time with them and talk to them one-on-one. And men, oh, this is hard. Now we've got, our, 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 there are a number of men's studies and men. Younger men, you want to get with the old. Older men, teach the younger men. And older guys, we need to get together too with that. And there are ample opportunities here at, at Crossing in small groups, in different Bible studies, and so I just can't emphasize enough that if you're not plugged in through a small group, through Bible study, through you know, through one of the men's groups, one of the women's groups, then please get plugged in. Because we are not meant, we are meant to be set apart, to be, be being made holy, and it is not a nice, easy, straight line. It is never. It is more that loopy line that kind of loops around and goes back and forth like that. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're at the bottom at this point. Maybe you're at the bottom of the trough in that line. Maybe you're, no, I am doing great. I am like, I am ripping it. Well, you think you're ripping it, and God goes, yeah, you're doing great. There's another challenge I have for you because now you can handle it. Yeah, I'm going to take this away and do something different right now. And we've had that happen to a number of families. And you go, I don't know what God's doing right now. But I have faith in our God, in a loving God, that whatever he's doing, it's for to make me holy. It's to work these things out of my life. This is a lesson I need to learn. Sanctification is a matter both of our position and progression. We're sanctified positionally because of what Jesus Christ has saved. And yet, after that event, God, sanctification continues to work. God continues to work to transform us into the likeness of Christ. It's the responsibility of every believer in Christ. So how do we then behave? We look at our, and we've got people who you can look at, you know, you might know somebody, they're just not moving. For whatever reason, they're just not moving. They're stuck. So how do we respond to them as a family? Right? Well, if you had a child who was stuck, and like, look, no matter, he's just not getting the math, and he's, he's not doing well. So what do you do? Well, eh, he doesn't need math. Well, he doesn't need English. Doesn't need any of the stuff you teach, Mike. Doesn't need it. Wait a minute. No, you, you work with the child. You work with them, right? You go, no, no, let's, let's help you figure this out. Let's do this. Let's get you some extra help. So, too, if we've got brothers or sisters who are struggling, we've got a number of families in our church, and you know, I won't call them out by name because I don't want to embarrass them, that are struggling. So let us reach out to them. Let's continue to reach out to them. Because sometimes even you reach out, you go, no, uh, no, I'm fine. Just no. Like, no, no, you're not fine. You're not moving. 
And God wants you to move, and I'd like to be there to help you move. Right? So it's reach out to them. Let's be that kind of church family where we're continuing to move, that we're all looking to help us move towards off this, this squiggly line. No matter where we are, pick us up and keep moving towards that holiness piece. So the pursuit of it, we choose to pursue sanctification in our life and positive growth curves. The pursuit of it involves the surrender of body and the will to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It takes time and it's working progress that can't be hurried. Like a newborn baby that gradually matures into adulthood, so is the work of sanctification in the life of a new believer, in the life of all of us. I'm amazed that it's 14 months and Ian's at where he's at. And it will seem like a blink of an eye and I'll be going to his high school graduation. And it'll seem like another blink of an eye, and I'll be going to his wedding. And it'll seem even shorter, and I'll hold a great-grandson or great-granddaughter. I don't have the gift of prophecy. And we'll look back at all that time and all those things and all those struggles we went through. But I'm looking forward to being there with him. And so let's, so let's continue to encourage each one of us in that work of sanctification as we move. Let's build and help each other just move forward in becoming more holy and set apart for that purpose.